Hey Houston, for a limited time at VisionWorks, you can get two complete pairs of glasses, frames, lenses, the works for just $49 on single vision glasses and $89 on progressives. And that's a good deal, but we offer that pricing on over 500 frames, which makes it a great deal. Right now, buy two complete pairs of single vision glasses for just $49 or two pairs of progressives for only $89. VisionWorks, we're here to help you. Some restrictions apply. See store for details. Offer expires November 10th. Blog Talk Radio. Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Who are the Mission Unstoppable. Mission Unstoppable. The Unstoppable Ones. You did say Unstoppable, right? Yeah. <coughs> you did say Unstoppable, right? What is it they know that I don't? Coach Frankie Picasso takes you on the Mission Unstoppable. Can anyone stop these people? Good evening. I am the unstoppable Frankie Picasso, and tonight you are about to go on another Mission Unstoppable. My guest this evening will be our guide into a world that I hope few of us will have the need to try for ourselves. It's a world of addiction and substance abuse. What happens when someone who seems to have it all tries to numb the pain of their life with drugs or alcohol? Tonight we're going to put some real faces to a disturbing lifestyle. Stay tuned and stay close, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is the unstoppable Frankie Picasso, and if you are listening to us on Tuesday, February the 9th at 8 p.m. Eastern, then you have tuned into the live version of the show and are free to participate by calling in at 646-595-3741. The chat room is also open, so come and meet me in there. If you are listening to the archive, thank you for downloading the show. Feel free to contact me if you'd like more information at frankie at missionunstoppable.com. I'd like to take a moment to thank the good folks here at Blog Talk Radio for allowing me to broadcast over their network. And I would like to thank you, you know who you are, and Wendy, hi, you're in the chat room there, for tuning in to me each and every week. My guest this evening is David Rosenberg. He is the Director of Operations for JACS, which stands for the Jewish Addiction Community Services, that supports addicts and their families and aids them in recovering. He's also a client, a recovering cocaine addict himself, who credits JACS with saving his life and giving him the support he needed to face his demons. Joining us in the second half of the show will be Nancy Jeraminski. Now, instead of me telling David's story, he's here with me right now, so why not speak to him in person? Good evening, David, and welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. How are you? I'm really great, and I just want to acknowledge how courageous I think you are for telling your story. I really I think it's, it's very brave. Um, not a lot of people want to do it. Who wants, you know, who wants the, the spotlight on the dirty laundry of our lives? But you're, you're doing it, and, and you're doing a great service. So I just wanted to acknowledge you for that. Well, thank you. I, I think I, I, you know, we go by an anonymous program, and it, there is a bit of a, a shame blanket over over what's happened to a lot of us. I decided to drop the anonymity because I wanted people to reach out and identify with me and, and find a parallel with my experience. And, and perhaps if they were going through some of the turmoil that I had been going through, um, they could identify with it and say, hey, he did it, maybe I should go down that road. And if it saves some lives, I guess that's the best reason of all to, to lower my anonymity and reach out. Well, you know, I think the question that everybody wants to know is how does somebody get to that point? You came from a, a good home. You, uh, you know, 
money wasn't a problem by the time you're 30. You know, you said you were a millionaire. I remember shopping in your store. So, you know, how did David become a correct addict, and how did you get to a point where you're spending $2,000 a day on drugs? How did well, that happen? I, I, Take us through the beginning. I, I remember my, my father from way back when always telling me the story is better than the picture, or the picture is better than the story. Um, I, I think like many people I've talked to, um, whether they've experienced addiction in their life or not, um, I had pain. I had anxiety through my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin, and I, and I think that's the case with, with many people that I speak to. Um, I have a Holocaust surviving father, so he didn't have the parenting references um, to transfer on to me. So there was a bit of a void there. Um, There was some sociability issues. And I developed over the the years a very low um, self-image, a very low self-esteem. Um, I, you know, most like I said, most of the people I've I've spoken to in life have had that. So, did you um, ever, um, as a as a teenager, did you feel like you had like a manic depressive kind of a thing happening? Did you did you ever seek help for feeling depressed, or did you talk to a counselor in school that said, you know, I don't feel? I was I was incredibly misdiagnosed. Um, usually, with when kids have sociability problems or learning difficulties. Um, when I was growing up in my generation, they liked to call it ADD or ADHD or learning disabled. Um, and they made a whole group of decisions with me and many of my peers based on that diagnosis, which was very vague. Um, did you go to predominantly Jewish school, David? Or were you no, I did. I did originally. I didn't fit in there, which was, which was a huge problem between grade one and grade five. I had to get out of the parochial school. And move into a public school because I wasn't I wasn't developing in the in the Jewish religious school, so there was there was a big flex between grade one and grade five, and, I, and many psychologists say you develop your self esteem between grade one and grade five. Did you and feel these, like okay, I don't belong with this group, and I'm supposed to belong yeah. with this group? So what happened to me? Yeah, I think I think I, I I was socially inept because you know I have a Holocaust surviving father who didn't know how to teach me baseball in hockey leagues and and soccer leagues and what have you and my peers at school were in those things mm-hmm. so i was immediately isolated from them and feeling not a part of or the you know proverbial i'm going to be the last guy to be picked on the baseball team this was uh, you know when they picked the kids be on my uh-huh. team um and and that lowest the low self-esteem and not fitting in you know, it was like a, a pitted anxiety in, in your upper stomach that so many of us have. Mm-hmm. And it just it just transgressed and transgressed. And and my dad was an overachiever. He wanted to make up for lost time from, from the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. So we had a very nice lifestyle. We had wonderful things, and they spoiled me. Um, I always tell people if you spoil a fish or if you, you spoil a fish, it starts to smell. Mm-hmm. By, the time, by the time I was coming out of university, I was a pretty smelly fish. I was an enti- I was I was an entitled guy. I was Any a guy. Siblings? I have a, I have a sister. Older um, who did not. Um, she's older. Mm-hmm. Um, she went through her own issues as well. I don't like to speak for her, but she did go through her own issues with with the type of parenting that was going on with us. Nobody's fault. I think my parents did the best they could. What about um, your mom? What was her background? Her she was the child of World War One um, parents who mm-hmm. didn't have any parenting skills either. Um, I think that uh, she found my father difficult in the early years. There was some some marital problems in the early years, um, much like you would hear anywhere else. 
right. the difference the difference was that because I was spoiled and because they tried to overcompensate from some of my deficiencies with money and privilege, I got used to solving pain or gratifying myself out of my anxiety with very short-term solutions, very quick fixes. This so when you went off to university, did you, you went off in marketing? Is that what you did? I went off to university to get a degree in, in, in marketing to go into the family business. Okay. Why? Why This wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do, necessarily what I wanted to do, but it was the easiest quick fix to get something done easily. Yeah, to, so to get I a went in, to... Right. So I went yeah. in, went in, went into the family business, which was did very you still lucrative. Live at home? Sorry, I want, did you still live at home when you went away? I did. I did. You, did you ever want to leave home? I did leave when I was 26. Okay. And I moved, I, but this was after I was in the family business, and I was raping and pillaging it to start creating a lifestyle. My first drug of choice mm-hmm. was an over-the-top lifestyle. Okay. from all the cash that I was withdrawing from the company in my various ways. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, my first house cost a million, too. I had a boat on a lake. I had two Lexuses in the driveway. I had, um, I, I, I married... You married at 26? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had met my, my ex-wife, and she was beautiful, and she, she, she looked like she belonged in that lifestyle. And, right. and, and, she was, um, and she was very nice, and it just fit. And I was really hiding the pain and the anxiety and the not fitting in. What about in. your in-laws then? My in-laws were um, my in-laws didn't have an affluent background, mm-hmm. so they were very happy. They were very happy. Were, that was he more motherly? Was he more fatherly? Did you? No, feel- no, no. I wouldn't say. So. I I wouldn't say yes or no. I think mm-hmm. that. Um, my ex-wife came into it um, naive to life, you know, not knowing what to expect, just happy that she was in love and that, and that um, you know, I, I had a great job and, you know, I'd probably be a good father. And she, she went into it for, with all the wrong reasons. I had gone into it for all the wrong reasons. I had gone into it. to have it? Well, I, I got into it because she fit this lifestyle that I was hiding behind. You know, it, she looked like it would work. It, it looked good to me. Mm-hmm. That that you know this whole facade that I was doing to hide. Were you, the ever, pain. were you ever able to talk to your wife? Were you ever able to communicate with her and to say, you know, I I don't feel right. No, I don't feel good. I, I don't feel no because I was I, I was hiding. I wasn't communicating with myself, Frankie. Okay. I was I was I was hiding. Not only was I hiding the pain, the 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 mis the uncomfortable feelings. I wasn't just hiding it from them in the world. I was hiding it from me. Yeah. I, I was miserable and this was this lifestyle was the quick fix, so I thought <laughs> that that would take me away from the pain. And so and of course children? I had I have I had three children. Oh three children. And when did the drug use start? The drug use started after the third was born. Okay. Um it 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 was it started after the business had failed. And there was no and 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 all those feelings of low self esteem, low self image came resurfaced. All the feelings of being the last guy to be picked on the baseball team resurfaced when the business failed. And very uncomfortable. And what am I going to do? And how am I going to sustain the lifestyle that I have created? You know, you create a beast. You have to. I remember my property taxes were thirteen thousand dollars a year. I no longer had a job. Yeah. And you know, it didn't matter how much equity I had in the house. I, I didn't. Did you have hide a job. that from your wife? Did you hide the fact that you had no more yep. money? 
Yep. And she was yep. because I you know, she was taking care of all those years and she just you know, she 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 was a mom, and she had three babies at home, and she didn't want to. You know, she, it was never her place to look at it. She never asked to look at it. She didn't want that responsibility. And, and so she so didn't. When the time she, came to share that information, you couldn't or wouldn't or. She never asked to have it shared until it was too late. She thought, you know what, David? David's got a degree, and this heritage failed, and it's very sad. He'll figure out another business. And I tried a couple of other businesses in the short term that failed immediately because I was just feeling so terrible. Yeah. And 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 when I got exposed to crack cocaine, and that's a whole we we would need a lot longer than your show to to, to explain I how I got, got exposed to that. How um, when you're when you're looking to when you're looking to numb severe emotional pain. Was it a bar? You you, you subconsciously go and find it. I mean, okay, let's just so leave it. Like, obviously, it was from bar, people. Was it a parking lot. How did you find it? Um, I had met somebody who was dealing it, and okay. who who was dealing it to to somebody that I knew. Okay. And I I said, let me try it, not knowing what it was, and it didn't do anything for me the first time, but something went off in my brain, and I tried it a second time, and I was taught how to use it, and then it was toast. Then I was toast. And, so and from the first moment you you took crack yep. to finding yourself on a park bench, not yes. knowing where your next meal was coming from, what was the time frame of that? Three years. Three. Wow. Years. I I I spent about. Well, oh, let me back up one step, if I may. Yeah. I I when 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 I got the hit of crack cocaine and and it in, ingested it the right way, the proper way to feel its effects. Because I had to be taught how to do that. Okay, and the problem? It became became very much like the big business was, or the giving me money to satisfy me did. It became a quick fix. Mm -hmm. There was no more more business to do it. There was no more money coming in to do it. There was no more um, father to do it, because he was so disgruntled with the fact that the business went bankrupt. There was no more parents and businesses to give me the quick fix to get out of the pain. Crack cocaine became the spoiling parents. It became it became the immediate fix because I was spoiled. I was used to getting things solved quickly. Didn't matter what the consequence was. I want this to be solved my way right now, and that's what it became. And it subtly became that, Frankie. It became okay, I can do this once a month and have a little vacation, to I can do this twice a month and have a little vacation, to I'm going to do it once a week and have a vacation every week, to $1,600 a day. Wow. To the point... Unbelievable. To the point... Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Finish that thought. To the point where I became so good at deceiving and lying to everyone around me that I was able to hide this kind of habit. I went into a construction business. I had my dad lend me a bunch of money to buy houses to renovate them. Um, So that's how I got continual money. It was a good excuse to tell my ex-wife where I was. I'm building. I'm renovating. I'm building. I'm not going to be home till 11, 12 at night. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was able to manipulate everyone. Say it again. Were you losing weight? No. No, no, no. I I gained, I gained 70 pounds. Really? Yes. Here's here's why. 90% of people that that ingest a stimulant or cocaine, okay, Mm -hmm. lose weight because it literally tells the limbic system you're not hungry. Mm -hmm. 
in my case, I had to come home, and usually people go for crack runs for three, four days. Yeah. I had to come home every night and fool my ex-wife. So I got home. I wasn't ingesting crack cocaine for a couple hours, and my body in the middle of the night said, holy crap, you haven't eaten in 24 hours. And then I'd go downstairs and eat 24 hours of food in one setting. So I, by coming home every night, not having eaten the whole day because you were on crack, and then getting home, you, I ate the whole fridge because my body went into shock saying, you haven't eaten. If I continued to do the crack cocaine for three days straight, I would have lost tons of weight. But I had to come home and fool her. And and that and, and in that instance, I gained tremendous weight. Can you think weight. of any time in your life before before getting off the drugs, at any point in your life, did you ever have to work hard for anything in your life? Homework? Did you ever have to work hard for anything? No. 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 I would I would procrastinate homework and 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 go downstairs um, to study and write out write rewrite out things two three hours before a test. I would never sit there and be disciplined to study for it properly. And believe it or not, I got through university that way. I believe you. And I and I got <laughs> You're through. You're not stupid. Yeah, uh, I mean, I got, I, I got through it, but did I ever have an appreciation of the value of work relating to reward? No way. No. No way. I was too spoiled, too entitled. What um, about your kid? No. Yeah, I, was, I was awkward from, I had a major shift in schooling and diagnoses between grade one and grade five. And... I grew up with such a low self-image. I still battle it. I still battle the self-image problem. I just, you know, I'm just so much lower than everyone else. Yeah. And let me find all these different walls I've got a to book hide for in. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Frankie. Did you write it? I did write it. Yeah. No, perfect. I'll write it. I'll read it. Thank you. Okay. Um, but yeah, so you know, it, 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 it. Okay, but what did not, you do with your kids, David? When your kids came along. You know, was any of this um, profound, profound yourself that, that you got things easily? Did you want to give your kids more, like other parents often do, or did you think, you know what? You know I what happened to me? Unfortunately, when all my kids were being born, my huge family business empire that I was pillaging for this lifestyle I created was going downhill. So every kid that was born, as much as as excited as I was that they were that they they were born, mm -hmm. I was profoundly fearful because oh my God, what am I going to do? There's two, three of them, and I'm not going to be able to provide for them. And, and certainly not in this kind of lifestyle that they're that that they're being born into. So I became profoundly fearful, like it was fear building upon fear building upon fear. Mm -hmm. the, that there was so much low self-worth and so much fear inside my soul prior to picking up crack cocaine yeah. that you know to, I, I can barely look back at it now with, with, and be comfortable looking back at it. It's very difficult to look at. But it was there. And, for you know, anybody people... who's listening, I just want to make mention that you know, Eckhart Tolle talks about fear and, and fear lives in the future. It, it ha something hasn't happened yet, you know? Regret lives in yeah. the past, but fear lives in the future. And if you stay in the now, it's not going to happen to you. And, and we, I, I yeah. talk about fear being, you know, a fantasized experience. You know what we call it? What? False evidence appearing real. 
Yeah, I call it a fantasizing experience. Yeah, it's a, it's, 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 yes, it certainly is that. But when you're not sure of yourself mm-hmm. and you don't really know what you've done in life, what in your life is truly yours, what isn't yours, one of the results of that is fear, not just of the future, but of yourself. Now, and, you, you got pretty low. You got really, really sick. Yeah, I I well I ended up I ended up um, in the third year of of smoking tremendous amounts of this substance and using the wrong equipment to do it. I was I was uh, smoking uh, crack with toilet valves because they were a right angle, and they they I was able to figure out that I could smoke it using that. But what I didn't figure on is that they were filled with rubber seals. So I not only had all these bar-like crack cocaine, I had rubber in my lungs. Wow. And and I ended up um, rotting the left side of my lung to the point where I went into the hospital with 105 fever. Wow. And coughing up blood. And they told me I had septic pneumonia, which is full blood poisoning along with pneumonia. Um, They took an x-ray. They said the left side of my lung isn't even there. So you, I basically had burnt right through it. And they said, that, you know, we'll give you a cocktail of antibiotics. We're not quite certain. We think they'll work. There's about a 30% chance they'll work correctly. And I said, what happens if they don't work correctly? And they close the curtain. So I'm going to die, basically. Yeah. And I have three babies at home, and I don't, you know. I'm, Were you still at it, home when, when this was going on? Yeah. You were? Um, I, I guess I was. I was in, the, I was in a second house. I had switched houses and... Did your wife recognize it at this point? She had known I was addicted to crack at this point. Oh, she did know. Yeah, I I hid it from her for a year and a half. I had hid it from her for a year and a half, and she finally said, what's going on? Uh Um, And she said, you're away, you're not home, and she thought it was another woman. And I said, it's not another woman, it's a white rock. And did she... And she stayed with you at that point? Yep. Okay. Now, you you get there, you're, you're... are you are you doing this stuff by yourself, or are you with other people, other addicts? Completely, completely isolated. Where did you go after you got high? Where did I go during high? I I I, I usually drove around. Okay. Or I'd go into parks and feel the high in the trees. Mm-hmm. Or I would um, go into the houses that I was renovating. So you never and wanted to be around people. It never made you more social. It didn't absolutely bring you not. Out. In fact, in fact, in fact, it makes you extremely paranoid. Yeah. As well as fearing, as well as feeling euphoric, uh-huh. it makes you incredibly paranoid. And unfortunately, with this particular drug, uh, a lot of people, you know, claim it's the street version of, of of cocaine and it's much cheaper. It is indeed much cheaper, but it takes an incredible amount more to satisfy a high, and the high is very short-lived. It's about 15 minutes at the max, yeah. and before you'd have to take another hit of it. So it's 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 you know it it, it, it was used in, in extreme amounts on my own. It was an isolated, and most people that I've talked talked to on this particular drug either smoked it with other crack people, mm-hmm. um, or they smoke it or they smoked it on their own. So when when did the time come when you said okay enough is enough I cannot do this anymore God somebody um, when I when I when I survived the hospital mm-hmm. um, I said okay for some reason I lived which I really wasn't supposed to 
Um, it took a lot. It took a month in the hospital in tubes and tremendous pain and spraining ribs. A horrendous experience. Mm -hmm. And I ended up surviving that. Did they and give I said, drugs I'm, in the hospital? They gave me morphine. And I didn't, uh, I certainly, I didn't think I was an addict, by the way. Oh, okay. The word drug addict never entered my head at this point. Really? Yeah, believe it or not. It, unfortunately, it's a, unfortunately, I have this wonderful disease that tells me I don't have a disease. It's it's quite a, quite it, it, it's it's quite ironic. Um, but I said enough's enough. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna orphan my kids. I've done enough financial damage. Let me come clean. Let me try to make it back. But you know what? The the low self image was worse than ever. The fear was worse than ever. The the guilt, the shame was worse than ever. And three weeks later, I was back on a crack bike. After that, so I said, I'm going to check myself into rehab. Or did you keep going with the rubber? Um, I. It's <laughs> a good question. I I I did not go with I did not go with the rubber. Okay. Now, I did something bad. I did something better. They gave me Ventolin puffers. Oh, okay. To to you know you spray down in that little thing. Yeah. I converted one of those into a crack pipe. That we're very we're very he is crafty. The mother of invention. Yeah, yeah, we're very crafty. If you ever want me to do the plumbing in your house, Frankie, parents, I'm available. Parents supportive? Are they disowning you? They're in, they're they're in shock at this point. It doesn't happen to Jewish people. It doesn't happen to the community. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So maybe I'm not Jewish. We have to go down. We have to go yeah, through the lines uh, of. Yeah, we'll, we'll look. <laughs> so I I said I, I've got I did my it again. on and you are. Don't worry. Okay, <laughs> okay. perfect. I yeah. did. So what I did is I got out and I did the crack again, and I said I'm going to die. So I went to my family doctor and I said I can't stop. I'm going to die, and they sent me to a rehab facility in Guelph. There's a question here. Wendy wants to know if you considered yourself if you, if suicide or suicidal, but you didn't want to die, did you? I felt low enough that the thought entered my head. Throughout my whole life, throughout 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 my whole life, the answer is throughout my whole life. Ever go to how you were going to do it? No. Okay. Not no. Okay. No. In my case, no. In my case, no. Okay. So the doctor sent you to a hospital in Guam. No, I went to the doctor and checked myself into rehab. Okay. My parents paid for it. Okay. And um, they taught me a whole bunch of stuff at rehab. You know about about this this process of living and doing X, Y, and Z when I got out because when I got out, the pile of manure I created before I went in was going to still be a pile of manure when I got out. Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of reparation to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then something else happened, Frankie. Yeah. Guess what happened while I was in rehab? Yeah. My ex-wife, my ex and God bless her, she's a dear friend of mine, but she did the right thing and she went through all the bills. And she went through everything I had done while I was gone. And she saw how much money was spent. And she saw what was done. And I came home after this to, to separation papers. Because mm -hmm. she looked at the statistics, which are awful, especially from crack. Mm -hmm. And she said, I have three babies. He's probably not going to make it. I have to protect my babies. He's taken all the money and blown it. i got to get rid of him. Like, <laughs> for my kids, i got to get rid of him. Um, so I came back to that. But if the and money would, had been there, do you think she would have stayed? No, I don't think so. The the, the behavior, uh, no. I I I think I think that the statistics 
are, were not supporting me. The statistics don't support me. They're, they're like, he's probably not going to get off of it. Yeah. Um, ever. So she just did the right thing for the kids, money and other. I think it was. I don't think it was just the money and the money on itself. I think it was a whole bunch of. I mean, you'd have to ask her. Yeah. Um, but she would tell you it just didn't make sense. You know, I'm, I'm a mother first. I'm a wife second. And okay, she made. Okay, so you kind of beat the odds here, then. I did. In in a I number did. of you know, man, like you you kind of got like a a triple crown here. I've been given. I've been given. Got you know by the grace of 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 my higher power, mm-hmm. I've been given another chance. And so tell us, tell uh, us your story about. Okay, you, you go into. Recovery, I went. You're out. I'm out, out, and I'm. I was told X, Y, and Z of what I needed to do if I had any shot of not going back. And it was um, enter into a 12-step fellowship, which means find a 12-step thing that works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. CA, Cocaine Anonymous, Anonymous, NA, NA, Narcotics Anonymous. Um, Go to meetings every day, especially in the first 90 days. And find a sponsor, which is somebody that's already done the thing before you, to lead you through it. These were the things that I needed to do. Right. Um, And that's what they, basically is what they, they take you through in rehab. Rehab really isn't... You know, here we're going to fix you while you're here, and you're going to be fixed when you leave. Rehab's really this is what you need to do if you don't want to go back, and you want and and here's the support you need and where to go when you get out. That's what rehab is. What worked for you in in all of this in the twelve step and and what worked for you? What, what was it that that said, okay, I, I've quit a thousand times, you know, I've I've gone back a thousand times. This time I'm going to do it. Was did something click? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, The only thing that had to change was everything. Uh So I just completely, I I learned how to live a life of being helpful, of being um, responsible. Yeah, I I, sound very responsible now. I learned a life of acceptance, Mm -hmm. of strength, of hope, of fellowship. Basically, everything I never had. Right. Um, Where did that come from? That, in my case, came from the 12 steps of Alcohol Anonymous. Okay. Um, why did... Uh, okay, let, let me let me preface this. When, when I came out, um, most of the meetings that I needed to go to mm-hmm. are, were available in churches. And I know that in, in your introduction to, my, to the show today, you said, you know, I wasn't doing well in the churches. And I think that that's that's correct. It wasn't that I wasn't doing well in the cocaine and narcotic anonymous Meeting. meetings in the churches, right. and it certainly and they, and they certainly weren't Bible thumping, and they weren't Christian or Baptist or Jewish or or Buddhist. Mm-hmm. They weren't. You know, the twelve step program is a spiritual, not religious program. But you have to believe in God, because no. step number five says admit to God. Step number six says. You know, get ready to have God remove these things from your character. Right, For but but if you, you know, but, God's going to understand you. Well, what it says in step, you're right. You're a hundred percent right. But there's a very important word in step three, mm-hmm. which says a God of your understanding. Okay. A God of your understanding. So I didn't have to. When I came into this program, I didn't have to figure out who my God was or what the God was that I had to believe in. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I had to realize a couple of things. To get on the bus of life, I got to do the next right thing. But I'm not driving the bus. Okay, so the higher power or God of my understanding is whoever I can interpret as the one driving the bus. That's the first thing. Because I used to think I could drive the bus. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. Uh, it wasn't up to me. I could plan to go on a trip, and if there was a and if there was a snowstorm, I wouldn't go on it, and then I'd go into fits of resentment. So, are there, you saying though, when when God drives the bus, that you're not responsible for your choices? No, I'm absolutely responsible for my choices, okay. which is which is why I began saying, the ticket to get on the bus is to do the next right thing. Okay. I have to do the next right thing. I have to make the responsible choices. I have to do what's righteous. But after I've done all those things, where all those amazing things I've done take me is not up to me. It's not up to me. I can I can go and send out the most beautiful resumes to a hundred companies, and I would have the most experience of all those resumes and everyone else. It's not up to me. I've done the right thing by sending out the resume and preparing it properly, and with honesty and with integrity. It's not up to me whether they're going to actually read it or process it, or hire me. All I can do is send out the proper resumes. I can't control, and we have this wonderful player, you know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I can and cannot control and give me the wisdom to know the difference. Mm-hmm. We live that. There are so many things in the world that I have no control over, and that goes back to me telling you that I had to find acceptance. Mm-hmm. There are millions of things in the universe I can't control. I can control me. I can control me doing the next right thing. Mm-hmm. But what happens after that isn't up to me. Right. It isn't. I can do the best. I can give it the best shot. I can do the best work. It's not up to me about uh, on what the outcome is. I can yeah. try to do. I can try to prepare and do the right thing. It's not up to me. So I have to so learn you're that. A couple years post, David. Right. Pardon me. You're a couple years post now. I'm going on three. Three. <laughs> is it is it a struggle every day? No. Or other days when you don't. It was it? the first year. Uh huh. And I don't know the exact amount of time. I think that you know. I think once this this particular drug makes an imprint <laughs> in your head, you kind of go back to that imprint. It's kind of hard to forget it. Yeah. Um. It wasn't about quitting the drug. It was about learning to live life in a fruitful manner and a helpful but liking manner. yourself it, it was a but yeah. you're right but but in my case i needed the tools i needed the tools to find that liking myself yeah i needed tools and for me those tools were the the the, the 12 steps As I'm term, there. It, nancy's here let's let's just sure. bring her on and then we'll have a little discussion is that okay sure okay great do you want me to keep talking I want you to just hang in here for a second. Okay, sure. While sure. I bring her on here. Nancy, good evening. Yeah. Hi. Hi. I've been listening to the show. How interesting. I can't hear you. You're going to have to speak up a little bit. Nancy uh, Jeraminski is, is another guest on this evening, and she was an honor student in school. She was talented and popular. And she says by the 20th high school reunion, she was a total train wreck and was as unlikely a candidate as the next to be in this position. So... You know, you said at, at your very best, at your using best, you drank a fifth and a half a day, you smoked cracks, 
you hooked for $5 rocks, and you mm-hmm. smoked three packs of cigarettes a day. And your weight went up to 210 pounds. Yep. How did this honor student, talented, popular, turn into a crack addict? Um, you know, it's a, a lot of the, the same things that um, David was talking about. I have always felt like I didn't fit in, you know, didn't belong. Um, my my childhood was, there was a lot of verbal abuse in mine. I was also molested. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there was a lot of things leading up to it. I was, I'm was a lesbian. Um, I didn't know it in high school, but, you know, that that had something to do with it. So I just, it, it happened. It was fun when I first did it. I, you know, I was like, well, this is cool, and I'm kind of a rebel. So if you tell me not to do something, I'm, I'm going to do exactly the opposite. And and the the way that I got into it was somebody said, try this. It'll be really fun. And I was hooked the first time I tried crack cocaine. The drinking wow. came, you know, later. Um, I was able to get rid of crack by myself, but I couldn't I couldn't shake drinking. So I was yeah I was pretty 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 um, hammered by the time I was 28, and by the time I was 40, I, I like to tell people that I was the Walking Dead. If I was had, part uh, of this, part of it the abuse and part of it hiding being a lesbian. Or? Yeah, it was part of it was the abuse, you know, not feeling accepted. I never felt like I was loved by my parents. I mean, this is pretty a, a pretty common sure. theme. I mean, they did love me, but I never felt like that. And then I'm, my personality is really I'm 53, but but I'm I'm sort of out there outspoken. I always have been. So there was a lot of stuff. Nancy, that's not ladylike. I was an athlete. Nancy, that's not ladylike. And my dad was just, he was just a brute. You know, he was verbally and physically abusive. So yeah. there was a lot of stuff that led to it. But when I, when I you know, I didn't want to be gay. I, you know, I wanted to be normal. Right. So that you want to choose something that difficult. Right? <laughs> That's why <laughs> people say you choose it. No, actually, we don't choose it. So, yeah. but part of the gay lifestyle is, is, are drugs and, is drugs and alcohol. So, you know, when I found my niche within the gay community, there's lots of drinking, lots of drugs. The crack cocaine, you know, that was in the 80s. We didn't, I didn't know what I was getting into. I certainly had no, no clue when I, yeah. when I let up my but first You said when you wrote to me, because David, yeah. you know, did the 12-step, and he did go to the meetings, and you mm-hmm. said if you had to go to 90 meetings in 90 days that you would start doing drinking again. I would. I would. For me, it was just AA, and this was, I knew when I went in. I mean, I, w- I had to go into recovery for two weeks, and, and I did it myself. I'm like, if I don't go in, I'm going to die. And, and my partner, who's just this, you know, incredible woman if i hadn't met her i wouldn't be talking to you much less sober but when i went in today a the whole thing of you have no power over this was really disconcerting to me and i'm like well i was the one that made me drink and so i don't understand why i have to follow the big book and it is a re- for me mm-hmm. it is a religious it, they, they do say you can you know whatever however god is to you well it, it's the religious undertones for me really were off-putting. I, I don't believe in God. I, I believe I'm a spiritual woman, but I don't believe somebody sitting up there and making a judgment on me. That's just my own personal mm-hmm. feeling. So it, it didn't. It wasn't. It didn't resonate for me at all. In fact, I, I was ostracized and told, "If you don't do this, you're going to relapse." Well, I haven't. I, I haven't. I'm, I've got 13 years, 12 years sobriety almost. I don't want to drink. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use. I, I just don't want to. I mean, that was the, the quantum leap that I made when I went into recovery. Is when I do this, I'm not doing it again. And I did try to quit drinking on my own. I did. I was able to stop the crack, you right. know, because I did. It is. It, <laughs> I I am again, you know, an oddity and being able to stop. It. But I was ready to stop it. I didn't want to do it anymore. You uh-huh. know, I was. So that's why, for me, you know, when I said to you in my in my email, it is. It's to me, AA is so unempowering for me personally because I I didn't. God didn't make me drink, and God didn't make me sober. I did it. I did it, you know, and I, I believe there's 
a, a, a universal power, and some people call that God. I think we all have that in us. So, you know, for me, it just it, it didn't resonate at all. If they had it, changed the word God to the universe, would that have helped you? Uh, maybe. It, it may, but but it's still, you know, I mean, then then it is, if, if they change the word to universe, then it is squarely on us. Yeah. The universe is because to me it's 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 all about us anyway. I mean, we have to make the decision to get sober. We have to make the decision to stay sober, and we also make the decision to use again. So, do I have a disease? Maybe you know, but I also have the power in me to say yes or no. I'm not going to use, and there's nothing in my life at this point that would make me use again. And if I do use again, it'll be because I choose to. David, what do you so, think about that? I I I think that I picked up crack cocaine because I didn't know for one reason or the other similar childhood issues that were just mentioned but I think I picked it up because I had no value of my place in this world Mm -hmm. Um, I would absolutely agree with her I had the same experience to go into a church basement every day um, with the religious undertones um, of a meeting in a church basement um, I was going to stop going Unlike, I'm sorry. What was your name? I'm sorry. Terrible, terrible brain cells were burned with my crack cocaine. With your lungs. (laughs) Terrible, terrible. It went to the brain too. Unfortunately, I I end up looking for my keys with them in my hand. I'm a very special boy. Um, Uh, Welcome to midlife too. (laughs) (laughs) I I was I was disenchanted as well. Um, I went uh, that when I discovered Jacks by some miracle. Um, fine, it's a Jewish organization, but there's a ton of agnostic atheists here okay. who 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 would not want to be told, um, me included at the beginning, I don't want to be told um, that there's somebody judging me or ruling me. What I had to realize, and this is just for me, um, is that, you know, we'll get back to driving the bus. I, I'm powerless over things I can't control. Um, I, I can't I can't get upset if I want it to be sunny tomorrow and it's raining. I used to get upset. So in terms of the way I interpret the spiritual aspect of my program in the 12 steps, um, is there's somebody else driving the bus. Okay, in terms of did I choose to pick up a crack pipe Absolutely. It wasn't a disease. I chose to pick up a crack pipe. Did I lose the choice to decide? Did I lose the did I lose the choice to decide after I started using it? Yeah, I did. It started it started deciding, not me. Okay, so what's the disease part of this? It, it it's very it, it it we can go on all night. And and in, in my view, um I didn't know how to live my life on its terms because of various things that did and did not happen to me. Um, based on not being able to live it on its terms, I ended up having a pit of anxiety and 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 not no place in the world that I could feel comfortable. So, but David, when you went to re- when you went into recovery, and when other people go in, they 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 speak of alcoholism and drug use as a disease. So, is is it something? In, that my, is- in my right, in my view, once you start the substance and it takes over and you can't quit, that's the disease. Okay. I don't believe the disease exists before you pick up the drug. I believe the disease okay. begins... Some people's propensity to being an addict is higher than others? I think people's I think people's level of comfort in their life can vary from severely bad to very good. 
Some people will discover a very harmful substance that seems to satisfy it and not be able to stop. Some people will discover it and be able to see a consequence and be able to stop. The people that are so ridden with anxiety and pain that the consequences don't matter based on what they're doing to numb it, those are the people that have a higher propensity to be an addict. Okay. I'm going to share two things with you, um, both of you. I got a, an email from somebody. She said, um, please don't say my name, but my husband's an alcoholic, and he struggled with AA because of its religious focus. Right. Being non-religious, he's had a hard time with many of the program's tenants. Uh, then he discovered LifeRing, and things got a lot better. LifeRing is a lot like AA, but without the religiosity. Uh, mm-hmm. Check it out for your story. Got another gentleman who wrote to me who was raised Episcopal. He's questioning the ag- agnostic from an early age, also used um, life ring, which I think was SOS, um, and and he's now been clean and sober nine years. Where he went through a ten year period with three detoxes, two rehabs, one halfway house, and supportive living. Um, have you guys heard of these programs? I, I haven't heard of that one personally, but I know there's a lot of alternatives to AA and twelve stepping. If we start looking, uh, you know, I've worked with people in in my own what I do, and and uh, you know, to me, whatever works. Is great. Absolutely. AA is twelve step works. You know, it just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, so I just like what I like is, and, and David, you probably agree with this, is that people, you know, there's other choices besides AA and twelve stepping, and, and even within AA and twelve stepping, even though it didn't work for me, and I tried a lot of groups, and I tried lesbian groups, and I tried, you know, blah blah blah. It just it, for me it was ew. But for but if people keep looking, eventually they'll probably find whatever it is that resonates for them, and that's what really matters. Nancy, but, but, you, 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 sorry, I just wanted to say that you your program is is really a physical and a diet based and right. you know get yourself yeah healthy. yeah this if if the thing with without getting too into it because because I could go on and on about it but basically when I go into AA meetings and people say and I do go back to get my coins because they're important to me they're they're you know a, yeah. a, a benchmark sure. but they and they say well what are you doing you look great and you you're not you know haven't gained weight and you well, I eat really good food and I don't eat sugar. And so I know that from the work that I've done with addicts, drug addicts, and, and, and some of the people that I work with are addicted to prescription medication for, for things like anxiety. Those all go back to what we eat. And when I start digging into that, it's inevitably huge amounts of junk food or sugar, refined sugar. So, and they'll sit on your nerve endings like booze and your drugs do. So it can make recovery that much harder. It does things to your brain um, when you don't get nutritionally dense food. So to me, the ride into sobriety and staying there, staying with your sobriety is that much more difficult to feel good about yourself if your brain is betraying you because you're eating, we, I call it sad crap, the standard, Amer- standard American. You guys are Canadian, right? Yeah. Yep. Dude, it wouldn't work, Sarah. <laughs> so, we got the same stuff. Darn. But you know, yeah, you know, but, you know what's kind of interesting is I, I read a, um, an article that vertebrates are the, you know, we actually have receptors in our brains for and in our bodies and ourselves for opiates. It, it's a perfect receptor, like a male well, and female that come together. We we make opiates. Waiting for we, it. we make opiates in our body. That's that's we you do. know we make. I know. So yeah, we have the receptors for it, but I mean, we could hook chimpanzees on it too. So I mean, they'll get addicted to booze. Monkeys will get addicted to booze and crack cocaine, and so will rats. Rats will rats will go for the crack before they'll go for food. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. that addicting. But so I think David, all if I animals, told you you can't have sugar anymore, would you freak out? Me? No, I, I, would you believe I don't eat sugar? Oh, you okay. don't. No, I made a decision. I made a decision to lose my weight by 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 cutting out a tremendous amount of sugar. 
Are you are you using to the, almost to, almost to the point where I don't need any? Are you are you using artificial sweeteners? I do some Splenda. Yeah, yeah. So that that right there, that's an excitotoxin. That's a neurotoxin. Um, really? Oh yeah. We should <laughs> so talk, Nancy. We, we, we should go out for dinner. We should go out for dinner. We could do a whole show on this one. The the, the neurotoxins in Splenda and aspartame are 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 devastating. And I and I'm not kidding. Okay, can I can I get back on topic to the twelve step just for a second? And 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 Nancy, I want your opinion on this, if I may. I believe that anything can be taken to an extreme, especially when you're an addict. And there are a whole bunch of people within a twelve step group that take the twelve steps too far. Right. And and preach it. We we have we have a saying that says it's attraction rather than promotion, which means you want to come and get help. We're here. We don't come and find you. And I think that some people have taken that in the 12-step program too far, and they're almost too preaching and too thumping, and they end up turning off people. And it's very unfortunate, and I've spoken about this many, many, many times. This is not the experience I got from the 12 steps. Um, I use the 12 steps not to quit crack. I use the 12 steps because if I follow them, I, 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 seem, to get, I seem to have some serenity in my life, and I haven't had any in, ever. So, you know, people always ask me, and I'm sure they, they've asked you, Nancy, do you regret smoking crack cocaine? And my answer is absolutely not, because it brought me here. Right, yeah. I, I mean, I, I did what I did, and, and so for me to be, and I'm, you, you probably would experience the same thing, David, is if I say regret would make me drink again, I can't. I mean, I have to forgive myself most of all sure, for what I did. Sure. I did what I did, and there's, I can't go back. So And the path is, is the path. Right, it is. So... That's what I've learned to do. That's my spiritual journey as well. I just don't get it from 12-stepping. I probably do 12 steps, just not the way they say. And that's part of my rebelness is don't tell me how to think my life or do it. Mm. You know, that's just me. And so I probably do live 12 steps, but I don't want somebody telling me how I need to do it. And, and when I was in 12-step, unfortunately, you were thumped. Me, I was thumped. And I was like, yeah, you're going you to you know, you're gonna, you're gonna relapse, Nancy, if you don't do it our way. And I'm like... Actually, no, I won't because I don't want to use this stuff. So come, come, come fly in, fly in, come to Jack's. Our meetings aren't like that. <laughs> oh yeah, you know, you know I, 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 do I really... just want to, in a spiritual way, you know, I think of you guys as 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 teachers. You probably came to be teachers. Um, mm-hmm. if you want to take my my view on things, and and you know, I have seen it so many times where people go through a tragedy um, to, that changes their lives. That that helps them reach out to other people. Now, with you guys, it, it was drugs. With me, it was this major accident. And, but I see it time and time again with the teachers. And, and it's unfortunate that it takes a tragedy to wake us up mm-hmm. maybe to the purpose. Maybe that's how it happens, but um, it does. And, and look at both of you helping so many people. So, you know, kudos to both of you for that. Thanks. Thank you. Na- Nancy, Nancy, would you agree with this? Sorry, would you agree with this? I'm starting to realize that I had to lose everything to realize that what I lost wasn't important. Yes. Yes. And and I, if there's I, yeah. and if there's anything that I've gotten from this journey, it's twelve steps, no twelve steps, that's what I tell people. Do you feel that way? I do. Uh, I, you know, people have said to me, Why do you think you went through it? I don't know why I went through it, but I know that if if, if I hadn't have gone through it, I wouldn't be where I am today and I certainly wouldn't be the the person I am today or the teacher that I am or the compassionate person I am and I did have to lose everything. I lost my self esteem, I didn't lose I wasn't on park benches, I was pretty close to it. <laughs> hooking for five dollar rocks. Well, if you're hooking for five dollar rocks, I mean, yeah, that's that's not exactly <laughs> glorious. Yeah. 
either. Okay. Um, yeah. So, but, yes, I, yes. I'm going to assume that, that you don't smoke today, Nancy. Nope, I don't. I, <laughs> okay. I don't smoke. I don't drink. No, I, I don't. that program mm-hmm. if you did. Nope. I, 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 you know, I got rid What's of What's your vice today? Do you have a vice? Over no. Exercising? My uh, mouth. <laughs> you know, I have a big mouth. No, I don't ever exercise. That's that's what I, in fact, I don't want to get off topic again, but I have to be really, uh, for me as a teacher, what I feel really strongly about is set the example. If, I, if I'm not going to do myself what I'm going to ask my clients to do, then I'm not a very effective teacher. So I don't over-exercise. I, I didn't switch addictions. I, um, my vice what is it i probably drink too much chamomile tea you know (laughs) i just or and i and i can be uh, i have a lot of personality you can probably tell i have a big personality sometimes i just have to turn the volume down but um Hmm. it, 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 it struck it struck a chord because people always tell me that i have to work on the filter between my brain and my mouth right uh, mm -hmm. yeah so that's that just it just made me chuckle yeah well so that, I, think that, I, I sometimes I think that's a good thing just to say what you say what you. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> Depends. Yeah, well, I think I think if you say it, uh, you know, people who know me or 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 even read anything that I've written or see, you know, the the things that I put up on YouTube, they would know that I'm coming from a place of love and compassion. Mm-hmm. Where I where I where I can be a little is if if I'm hearing you know, excuses why I can't do something because that's really what it is. It's just right. an excuse because I'm not ready to do it. And so that's where I can get a little kind of in your face. But it's not mean, I, you know. What's the point? You know, in, in coaching terms, we talk about underlying automatic commitments. And, you know, in, in your case, David, you had a commitment. You had a commitment um, that needed to be broken. Yeah. You know? And and you acknowledge that and and did the work, and that's that's the whole thing. I mean, people need. I, I always say life is an inside job, and it is. Mm-hmm. You got to go yeah. inside and clean house. The, yeah. That's so true. If you don't clean your own mirror, I mean, yeah. that's what I do. Is if I'm not going to polish my own mirror, how can I ask people to polish theirs? So, yeah. and on all of us have been through that, you know. So it just it just in my case, it took a nuclear bomb to wake me up to see it. I don't, you know, I don't know. We could we could talk about whose nuclear bomb was worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's not important. The important thing is that you both are here talking tonight and, right. and getting healthy, and you're helping other people, and I think that's just great. Well, it's, it, really it's, a, it's, it's a beautiful thing when two people in recovery can talk because mm-hmm. we get each other. It doesn't matter if we followed the same program. Right. Recovery is recovery. I yeah. know. Yeah. And you we know immediately, like Nancy, I'm you and you're me. I know it's so true. It, 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 it's like we 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 do share with 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 recovering addicts. There's a camaraderie. Mm-hmm. There is, well, and, it's, and it then, can't explain it, but it's very special. Maybe that's why that community. You know, whether it's twelve mm-hmm. step or it's something else, it's it's community, and it's a community that understands who you are. It's are you are you spiritual, um, Nancy? Absolutely. Absolutely. You are spiritual. Absolutely. I okay. I have experienced some really, uh, I mean, mind. Boggling spiritual experiences where, you, you know, I shouldn't be here. Um, yeah. Once, I know. So yes, I mean, I mean, where I've, where I've, I can tell you, like for instance, one time I, I tried to commit suicide with with pills because I was just so freaking miserable, and I took enough to kill me. But you know, a couple hours into the, I went to sleep without a note, and I heard a voice that say, "You can't leave yet." Isn't that so, wonderful? Mm-hmm. Now that didn't keep me from using, but the point is, I've experienced that. So yes, I know there's something bigger than me because uh, I've experienced it. So absolutely. Uh, so Frankie, do you know... I'm throw something out here just before sure. we run out of time. Yep. Um, 
if you want to contact Nancy, you can do so at www.nancyjerominski.com. And David, if you want to contact David, you, you liked him, he, you resonate with him, you can contact David at what, Dave? David at jacks, J-A-C-S, Toronto.org, O-R-G. Perfect. Okay, now it's out of the way. Now you guys can yak. <laughs> um, what, what I like to, like people always say, okay, so, you, you know, what's the difference between religion and spirituality? Mm-hmm. And and, and and very quickly, what I tell them is, religions for people who are told how to pray so that they go to heaven. And for me, spirituality is, I've already been to hell, I'm praying to not go back. That's the difference for me. I don't know how you feel, Nancy, but that's the difference for me. I think religions control. I think religions... Yeah, yeah. yeah. they tell you how to pray. Religion yeah. is and, and, religion and spirituality. dogma. It's dogma. Go ahead. Religion is dogma. Yeah. Yes. It, it tends to keep. I mean, if you look at the religion, means to bring together, and and unfortunately, religion tends to divide us, and that's what's so troubling to me is for particularly because I'm a gay woman is you know I'm I'm going to go to hell because I'm I'm a pervert and or that I abuse children, and that's just ridiculous. I mean, so and that comes from the religious right, not a spiritually based person. Somebody who's spiritually, right. we all are connected. How can we hate each other if we're all connected? And that's where I'm right. coming from. You so you're more of the is the universe is connected type of thing. Yep, absolutely. Everything yeah. balances yeah. out in the universe. It does. Yeah. It yeah. does. Yeah. Just that's what's so great about it. Wow. Any any words for for if just somebody's out there, a family member's listening, and they and they want to uh, do an intervention, or they want to try to get a family member help. What what suggestions do you have for them? Well, I think you're talking to two people that made it. It's possible. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. There's many different ways to go about it. Um, I don't know about your family, Nancy. My family got very sick from this um, and uh, didn't know what to do, and they were enabling and they weren't enabling. So there's there's support. There's support all around. David, if I, if I called you up and said, listen, my, my son is using drugs. Um, I want to get him help. What words could, Are there words that I can say to I would I, I would teach you. Teacher? I would teach. No, I would teach you how to take care of yourself within the situation. Okay. I wouldn't. I wouldn't teach you. You, you know. I know. It, it didn't matter what person came up to me until I wanted to get better. Until I hit mm-hmm. a bottom that was mm-hmm. profound enough for me, no one could talk to me about my use. And, and I would agree with that. I. You know. People do interventions. If somebody had done an intervention with me before, I oh, it, I would have gone. Get out yeah. of here. And so the risk is, is that somebody could die from their abuse. But but I really think that, and this may sound harsh to people, but I really think until that person wants to do it for themselves, yep. not because they're going to lose their job, they're not going to do it. Yeah, uh, every right. single person I went to recovery with has either relapsed or died. Yep. And I'm me the too. only one that stays. I know. So, you know, he wanted, David wanted to get well finally. I wanted to get well. I'm not going back there. I'm not going back to my, you know, wherever I was in recovery. The Highline was great. I just don't, I don't want to go back there. So. And but but the reason for that, Nancy, I think you would agree, is because you found a fruitful way to live your life. Uh, yes, I did. So that you don't have to go back to there. Right. I mean, yes. I mean, you have to. I think it all starts with um, forgiving yourself and moving forward, and and not mucking around in the past because there's nothing you can do about it anyway. Yeah. And forgiving the people that you know, I had to forgive my dad and my brothers and all yep. kinds of people that I thought wronged me. And until I did that, even after I stopped drinking, I wasn't a happy person. So, and that's the word. Nancy, you're sounding like 12 steps. 
I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> yeah. I think Nancy and I could have a lot of fun with each other. I think. I do. And I've connected you guys via email, so hopefully Yes, you'll... Nancy, anytime. I'd love to speak with you again. You're wonderful. It'd be great. Thanks, David. You too. Okay. I'd like to say that we've been speaking to David Rosenberg of the Jewish Addiction Community Services in Toronto, Nancy Jeraminski, who... Where do you live, Nancy? I'm in Seattle, Washington. Oh, Seattle, Washington. Okay, yep. great. Beautiful. Is it raining? Snowing? Uh, not today. It wasn't oh, okay. a little cold. It's actually been kind of mild out here, so um, uh, about 45 degrees. Well, we're having a snowstorm, so thank you. Yeah, guys. we're having a snowstorm right now. So, uh, again, thank you both. It's been a wonderful show. You lots, lots to learn, lots to think about. And uh, again, you're courageous, and I and I kudos to both of you for telling your stories and for helping everybody that you do. Thanks for the opportunity, Frankie. You're wonderful. Thank Take you, care, Frankie. It was a, it was a, it was a hoot. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks so much. much. Okay. Bye bye.